start now. Grab your Bibles, we'll get there in just a little bit, to Luke chapter number 1, Luke chapter 1. Uh, I'll say what Mr. Schrock has probably already said and what was said to me when I was a senior or when we were at the break, the last chapel. They would say something like this. As soon as you get home, give your mom and dad a hug, greet them with a holy kiss and a handshake, and then as soon as you get your greetings taken care of, you get down to your church, you get with your pastor and say, what can I do these next three or four weeks that I'm home? Talking more to the college, of course. Get there, be in church, be faithful. Fellows, wear a suit to church, be sharp, and come back. People are wondering, what happened to them the last two or three months? And hopefully they can say, I can see that God did something in their heart. But get down, be busy. You say, I'm only home for three or four weeks. I'm sure... Your pastor will have something for you to do, especially if your pastor is your, your dad. <laughs> he will give you something to do. But I would just say, just jump in, jump right back in like you, did, like you were here. Go back home, make sure you do that, and uh, make it a wonderful Christmas. And make sure you be a witness to somebody over this break. This is a time where people are open, more open for whatever reason. Um, it's the season to just talk about the Lord. So make sure we do what we're supposed to do, and that will be... A blessing for you, I'm sure. I would love to hear reports when you come back to say, our church, we got to see three people trust Christ as Savior. I was able to lead so-and-so to Christ. That's what Christmas is about, not what you got, but you were, what you were able to give, what you were able to give. Luke 1, we'll get there in just a little bit. Um, I like to watch people's reactions. Um, I saw Isaac walk in this morning with his beautiful sweater, <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> I had a reaction. I don't know what it looked like to him, and I, um, other people might have seen it, and there was reactions, but I'm careful about advocating this, but there are times my kids and I have watched pranks, and the prank is funny, but the reaction is even better, <laughs> When somebody gets scared or they're in shock, and I think the ones I like is when somebody comes and says, hey, we're going to ask so-and-so, to, I'm going to ask her to marry me, could you record it? And so they're all excited, and they're, you know, all the, this tender heart, and so this guy goes over, and they're just by this lake of water, and they're sitting there recording, waiting for this romantic moment, and the, guy, you know, the, guy, the girl pushes the guy into the lake, and, and if you can see the reaction on their face, it's, pr- it's pretty funny. <laughs> Um, sometimes you need to be careful on how people are going to react, right? Sometimes it's uh, surprising how people react. When my kids were younger, when there would be a door knock, a knock on our door, it was funny to see them jump from the couch and run to the door to see who was there. Fast forward to current day, uh, there's a knock on the door, and they're in the couch with their blankets wrapped around them, and so is my wife, like, come in! It's just a completely, we don't even know who it is, but the reaction's quite different. Uh, used to be that way, we had a home phone, you know, home phone, they wanted to get up and run to the door, uh, run to answer the phone, and, and now it's just like, uh, I hope I don't hear that, you know, and they're, they're the one closest to it, but they're hoping their sibling gets it. Uh, different reactions. Um, there's responses to being asked out on a date. This happened recently, I think, I'm sure, when you knew that guy was on the prowl, girls. Like, oh no, he's stalking me. He's just, it's just there. Everywhere I go, he's there. And so you're thinking, uh, what's my response going to be? Should I smack him? Um, But there's responses. Um, 
In emergencies, we call those, we call them first responders. Responses and reactions are part of life. Sports. Can you imagine if you're standing on this side of the volleyball court and you serve the ball and there's no reaction? It really would be a boring game. But you kind of expect from tennis to ping pong to racquetball to throwing a baseball, throwing a football, there's going to be a reaction from the opposing side. It also could come from your teammates. They're like, oh, you don't do that. So there's, there's reactions across the board. Sports, when you're driving a car and you're speeding and you see that cop, you know the foot shifts quickly. All right, uh, there's a reaction and, and so forth. When you get cut off, we won't ask what the reaction is, but there's, there's reactions. When music starts, there are reactions. Uh, I, I've been to baseball games and they'll have the music start playing. They don't have to say, all right, get up. People are already moving. Because there's a reaction when it comes to music, whether it be clapping their hands, whether it be jumping up to dance, or for some of us, just covering our ears because it's too loud. When you serve in the church setting, there's going to be reactions. When you knock on doors, some don't answer, some do, some slam the door, some cuss you out, there's going to be reactions. When you pass out treats on the bus route, there are reactions. Ooh, can I have more? Uh, those the spaghettis on a cold day, spaghetti bowls on a cold day, you're like, I hope they don't end up on the floor because I'm on sweeping and mopping, right, Mr. Tyler? Um, passing out treats, trying to correct an unruly child in junior church. Different reactions. Trying to wake up a college student in chapel. Different reactions. When you're preaching, when you're teaching, there are different reactions. Some listen, some lounge, and some just flat lay down. There's different reactions. Working with teenagers, there's different reactions. When you look in the scriptures, you'll see quite different reactions when you see 12 spies enter the land of promise. Now watch me. They saw the same thing. They saw the same giants. They saw the same milk. They saw the same honey. They saw the same cluster of grapes. But the reaction and the response was quite different, was it not? You see the man laying there on the path to Jericho and you see the Levite and the priest. You see their reaction. You see their response. And you see the good Samaritan, as we call him. He has a completely different response. Life is all about response and reaction. A woman hears the news that she's going to have a baby. If she has never had one or if she's been praying for one, the response might be, Praise the Lord! How exciting! The same news comes to a lady that's had maybe two or three. She might say, oh, wonderful! Oh, the same news might come to somebody that's had eight or nine or 19. And they might say, oh no! Different reactions! I was talking to one of our TNT girls a while back. She was, I don't know, she's 13 or 14. And I was asking her how old she was. And she said, I'm 14, going to be 15. I don't remember exactly. And I was kind of joking, saying, man, in about a year or two, you're going to get married with a smile on my face. And if you could have seen her reaction, it was like I punched her right between the eyes. She said almost angrily, I will never get married. Now, what we might deem as something wonderful to a person who has maybe had some bad experiences with parents 
or livings. They take what God has designed and instituted as wonderful and they react and respond in a way that where they say it's horrible. Pretty sad. So what I'd like to do is kind of just take this idea of leading up to Christmas, the Christmas story, if you will, and look at some different reactions to how people responded to the message of the angels, to the birth of Christ, and so forth, and look at, look at this. And, and maybe just consider what your response would be. Now understand this. We know the rest of the story. I know some of you sit out there like, you know what, back in Daniel, the book of Daniel, when the writing was signed, I would, have had, I would have been right there next to Daniel. I would have popped open my windows. I would have been on my knees four times a day praying towards Jerusalem because that's, it's because you know the rest of the story. Yeah, you know what? It would have been Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Jaden because I'm telling you what, I would have stood there when the music sounded, the sound of the sultry and the dulcimer as everybody bowed down. I would have stood up and said, I stand for God, Jehovah. It's because you know the rest of the story. Ladies would be like, oh yeah, I mean, we're on our last meal and Elijah, the man of God, comes through. He says, make me a cake first. And I would have gladly done it. I would have gone and done extra because it's because you know the rest of the story. These people, we kind of have programmed ourselves to think they knew the rest of the story, but they did not know the rest of the story. They were in the middle of their world, in the middle of their business, in the middle of their lives. And somehow along the way, God interrupts that and we see reactions. And I ask this, how would you respond to God? How do you respond to God now? One of the things I enjoyed about coaching was this. You had some guys that they'd be in the middle of running sprints and I would say something like this. Pick it up. And some guys immediately will respond by changing their pace and picking up the speed. Or I would say, push a little harder. And you'd see them push a little bit harder. And there was an immediate response. And you had other guys, you'd say, pick it up and push harder. And they would go less. You know who's the person you'd rather coach. The one that responds. And I'll say this. I think God pecks away at our hearts and God will challenge us and convict us to do things. And all he's looking for is a response. And you wonder and you say, why doesn't it seem like God speaks to me? I may as I say this, it may be because he's tried and he's tried and he's tried and he's tried and you just don't respond. Shame on us. God's looking for us to respond when he says, hey, see that person, see that person over there? He nudges us that direction. You know what we ought to do? We ought to respond. And these people will look at how they responded to the coming of the Christ child. Luke chapter 1, I think you're there, hopefully by now, verse number 30. The Bible says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, 
For thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The coming of the Christ child, in this case, caused some to wonder. There's a curiosity. Now, now understand, we know the story. We know the setting. Here's Mary. Maybe she's in her home. The angel appeared, gives her this wonderful proclamation that she is going to be the one. Up to this point, all she knows of, there's some knowledge that there's going to be a virgin, based on what Isaiah said, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Maybe she knew about what Micah said, but thou Bethlehem Ephrata, talking about somewhere little, but she doesn't live in Bethlehem, so maybe out of sight, out of mind, maybe some of the girls would talk. Man, could I be the one? But really, it's one in a million. I'm not real good at it, even like when we have the, the March Madness brackets. I'm horrible at that stuff. I joined a fantasy football. I'm horrible at these things. And, and so it's like for me, if, I, if there's something that there's a possibility, I know it's probably not going to meet me. I'm not going to win. And you wonder, here's Mary, that this announcement comes to her. Do you think there's a little bit of wonder, a little bit of curiosity? Could it really be? And that's why the angel has to say, fear not. Don't be afraid because there's wonder. And we live in a skeptical world. There's some that sit out there. Is there, this, is there really something about this eternal life thing? Some of us may go and we witness and we get frustrated. How simple salvation is, is it not? But there's skepticism. It's everywhere. Is the Bible true? Is Jonah and the whale true? And sometimes I think, to, in, in, in their defense, some of the stories in the Bible, some of the selections in the Bible, they're pretty hard to, to grasp. But it's God's word. We say we believe it, right? We say it's something we can take by faith, but these people, are, they're skeptical. And Mary, in a sense, what are the odds it's going to be me? The virgin birth? Now understand this. This has never happened up to this point, and it will never happen again. Give her a little grace where you stop and think, man, there's going to be wonder, there's going to be curiosity, there's going to be some concern. So we see wonder. Look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were... There it is again. They were sore afraid. You'll see through the scriptures, the angel or the, or the messenger will say, fear not, fear not. Why? Because there's wonder, there's curiosity. Again, the shepherds had heard about angelic experiences. Josh, you go to Culver's and say, yeah, it's all an angel. And we're like, okay, all right. I knew Fairhaven had some strange ones and you fit the bill. Again, this is their world. They're sitting there in the middle of their work day in the, in the, evening, in the evening tide maybe. I don't know exactly, but this angel shows up and a multitude of angels shows up. And that no doubt it would cause them to wonder just a little bit. Look at verses 17 and 18. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered. 
Can I just say this? We live in a world, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of skeptics. And some of us can be programmed to be skeptical about this book. I'm just not sure about They talk a lot about the pure life. They talk a lot about the, the sacrificial life. They talk a lot about the abundant life. I'm just not sure I'm all in. Can I say this? When Christ steps in, don't be skeptical. Be sold out. Say, you know what? I don't understand everything that the Bible says. I don't understand everything that I'm taught. But I'm not going to live the skeptical life. I'm going to be sold out. I'm going to be all in. We see a reaction was one of wonder. Number two, the reaction of coming, the coming of Christ caused some to worry. Let's be real. Let's be real with one another. We all are prone to worry. Are, are you with me? I think all of us worry about what people think. It's real. Let's just be real. We're kind of concerned about the person next to us. We're concerned about the teacher. We're concerned about the coach. We're concerned about this person. We're concerned about our pastor. That we're prone to worry. Paul says it this way to the Philippians. Be, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. What he's saying is this. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. But we are programmed to worry. Look at Matthew chapter 1. I know we're jumping around, but Joseph, the Bible says in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother was, Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, there's worry here. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, here it is again, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. I'd say there's a cause for concern here because of his reputation. Now let me stop for a minute because there's a, there's a mindset today that says, you know what? I'm going to live my life and I'm only going to worry about what God thinks. That sounds real spiritual, but I don't think it's biblical. Should we worry about what God thinks? A hundred percent, absolutely. But I'm, to be honest, as I, as I considered this, as I thought about it, I am concerned about what the high school students think. I'm concerned about what the college students think. I'm concerned about what my pastor thinks. Because if we live ourselves in such a selfish bubble, we're going to say, well, I'm just worried about what God thinks. I think God is concerned that we're concerned about the people he's put in our lives that we should be concerned about their lives. Joseph was concerned about his reputation. The Bible calls him a just man. And he finds out his wife is going to have a child. That's cause for concern because he's a just man. Again, we know the story. Put it in perspective. He doesn't know that she's going to be the one to bear the Christ child. So he has a reputation to upkeep. There's, there's concern here. Um, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. That's a verse to memorize, to commit to memory. You should be concerned. I am concerned about what my pastor thinks. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm concerned about what my pastors think. If there's something that he wants me to do, I think he knows. I'm going to submit to him because he's my pastor. I'm concerned even now, I have a dad that's 78 and a mom that's 73. I'm concerned about what they think. I'm concerned about what my bus workers think. 
I don't think that's wrong. We should be concerned. There's worry going to come into our lives. Uh, we see him kind of concerned about his reputation. But here's, here's one that the care of his family. Some of you don't get this yet, but you will. He is going to have upon him the responsibility, the watch care of the Son of God. Wow. He's not married. He finds out this is going to be a miraculous birth. You talk about a load that's on you. I know right now some of you are like, oh, I got a final. Oh, my life is overwhelmed. My bill is $3,300. i am just overwhelmed, and I just don't know what I'm going to do here. And I get it. I'm not trying to lighten the matter. I'm saying this. Here's a guy that's not married, finds that his wife is pregnant because of the Holy Ghost, and he's got to be in charge and take on the responsibility of the Son of God. And then to make matters worse, this king wants to kill him. You talk about a cause for concern, I think we'd probably be worried just a little bit. Worry about opposition. I think about Andrew and Elnora getting married on Saturday. I'm looking forward to going to the wedding. And I just can't wait to, to just... Watch Andrew and the weight just load onto him when he says, I do. It's going to be fun. I'm just going to be back like, <laughs> if you only knew what's coming. I'm so excited that they're doing things right. It's a wonderful thing. But what's going to happen now is he has a responsibility to care for Pat and Tammy Williamson's daughter who they love so, so much. And if he messes with they're going to beat him down. But then if the Lord gives them children, that responsibility is heavy. One day, Lord willing, you're going to understand that. And I think we sit back and you don't know the weight and the concern and the worry that comes when you take on that responsibility. Joseph had some worry. Herod, Matthew chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. You know, he, he didn't want somebody to take his throne. He wanted to control his own life. Be careful that when Jesus comes, he wants to be Lord. He wants to be Lord of your life. But here's something that really struck me. Sometimes when we get worried and we get a little selfish, we kind of affect a lot of others around us. Notice what it says in verse 3. He was troubled. Look at that last phrase. And all Jerusalem with him. Don't be a joy robber. Don't be a joy robber. The announcement was peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It was a time of joy. Jesus was come to come to bring joy. And what do we see? Weeping. We see sorrow because now we have a man focused on himself. And now he starts to eliminate anybody else that might get in his way. Listen, if you're a joy robber, let me encourage you, stay away from other people. You that know they're joy robbers, stay away from them. It can get real ugly fast. Worry. Worry can limit your own effectiveness in life. I've got to keep moving. Number three, the coming of the Christ child caused some to worship. To worship. It's interesting when 
a little baby's born and they come to church that first Sunday or first Thursday, three days after or four days after they've been born, and, and the crowd and the fighting amongst the teenage girls like, ah, you got to hold him for 12 and a half seconds. I've only, and it's unbelievable. And they're like passing that kid around. It's like, you know, he's... And it's fun. It's, it's really fun to watch and, and to see that happening, the, the joy of a new birth, right? Um, and, and we kind of adore that little one. You know, the Son of God came from heaven. We ought to adore him. Amen. Part of adoring someone is, is worship. And I stop and think, worshiping a baby, really? Grown men bowing down on their knees to worship a baby? That's not real good. Can I say we need to live as Christmas in our lives with a true humility. It doesn't matter. How big and how little, when it comes to God, we ought to be able to bow low and adore and worship Him. When the wise men came, they came to Jerusalem and they said this, We have seen a star in the east and are come to worship Him. You get down the text a little bit further in verse number, or let me see, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. But it says, when they came into the house, they saw the young child, they came and offered him gifts, and they worshipped him. Can I say, worship is something you do on purpose. They came with a purpose. They set their lives aside. They set their schedule on hold. I don't know how long the trip was, but they said, he's worth it. Some of you, praise the Lord, you've set your life on hold because you believe God has a calling on your life and it could be one year, it could be two years, it could be four years, it could be eight years. I don't know, but you set your life on hold because you say, I want to worship and serve God. Amen. But then there's other responses. People that aren't interested. The wise men came to worship. The shepherds came to worship. I guess we should just get used to bowing to this baby because in time we're going to bow the knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You might as well just get used to the coming of Christ in your life now and be willing to be humble and worship. Amen. Let me just give you the last one. The coming of the Christ child caused some to witness. Luke chapter 2, we read this already. And when they had seen it, speaking of the shepherds, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Some of you are going to come back from the break and like, oh man, Christmas was great. I got this and I got this and I got this and then we did this and it's a wonderful thing. That's a blessing. But I'll, I'll tell you what, are you going to spread abroad the saying of what God has done for you through salvation? Maybe you've never met him. Girls on that first date. <laughs> he asked me out. <laughs> Come back. Oh, what did you do? I mean, it's like beaming. What did you do on your first date? We had an ice cream cone. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> okay. It's hopefully going to go up from there. But we get excited about certain things. Think about being an eyewitness. 
let's just say right out here is an accident and I'm trying to think Samantha and Mr. Ramus are the ones to be the ones that see the accident okay so they start to question us and I could just imagine Samantha's response well sir it's like this uh, this car was coming at a high rate of speed and the other one pulled out and it hit him there's a loud smash and it was horrible I mean it was kind of blood and glass and I was like oh and I just prayed and wept Mr. Ramus <laughs> you should have seen you know not that I should be excited about it but there's going to be a completely different approach in how we tell the story you know why because we're eyewitnesses and you read the book of Luke, and he'll talk about him being an eyewitness. You read 2 Peter, I believe it's chapter 1 or chapter 2. He talks about being eyewitnesses. You see, it's really something when you, when, you, when you truly see God at work, you won't be afraid to witness. Getting a haircut last night and an ear cut. <laughs> J.J. took like a chunk out of both my ears. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I have blood on my ear right now from J.J. I don't know if he's trying to get back at me for all those demerits I gave him. You know what we were talking about? A young man named Caleb that he got to witness to last night. I don't know what happened, but he's like, I think, I think Caleb's going to get saved tonight. You know what? That's exciting when you get to be a witness of something that you have experienced and you get to tell somebody else about it. Amen. The coming of Christ should cause us to witness. Man, just imagine if you got to see the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I need to be done. D.L. Moody walked down a Chicago street one day. He saw, a man, he saw a man leaning against the lamppost. And the evangelist gently put his hand on the man's shoulder and asked him if he was a Christian. The man raised his fist and angrily exclaimed, Mind your own business! Mr. Moody said, I'm sorry if I've offended you, but to be very frank... This is my business. Even if people reject the gospel, we still must love them. We have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to be a witness. To tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. That's our job. It's not to butter it up. It's not to try to make it better. It's just to say, let me tell you what happened to me. Christmas came along when I was a 12-year-old boy and I received the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sad to say, I had rejected. I had wondered about it. I had worried about it. But there came a day where I was able to experience the wonderful gift of the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was 35 years ago. But sad to say, I stopped and think about the shepherds, that wonderful night where they witnessed I wonder if they stopped. I wonder if that story got old. We don't really see the people in that area running to believe. But it didn't matter to them because they had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. What's your reaction and response to Christ? Are you just going to wonder... You're going to worry. I hope you'll worship. You know, part of worship is giving. <laughs> we got a Christmas offering, at least for our church. I don't know what you do. Man, we get to give. It's awesome. I trust we'll witness. 
And let us rejoice in what God has done in our lives and allow us to be a channel so God can do the very same thing in the lives of others. I got a text on Saturday morning from Leslie. She, she's hiding there. And uh, she kind of made my day. She's like, kind of, I worried and I wondered about my salvation. But I got it taken care of. And I'm sitting here th- uh, Saturday morning with the TNT kids. I'm like, eh, Leslie's probably going to get mad at me for telling and stealing her thunder. But I don't care. And I was kind of like walking around every day. I said, Leslie got saved. Leslie got saved. And then I got another text later on. Uh, a young man that used to come to our school years ago, Frankie, he got saved. Uh, Mr. Jansen led him to the Lord. You know what? That's what it's about. That's why he came. Let us be a part of the Christmas story. Let's pray. Lord, pray that you use this. Thank you for how you've kind of stirred my heart with these areas, these, these simple thoughts. And I pray that Christmas might just take a different light on us. We can be skeptical and sit back and wonder and not really enjoy the season. Or we can worship. Even better than that, we can witness. And I pray that you use this in our hearts. Instruments will play just briefly.